into hour two of the program. It is Sportsnet today. Coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. You can visit them at dlbasementsystems.com. Alongside our outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, this afternoon. To kick off hour two, welcoming in Pat Steinberg to the program this afternoon. Patrick, hello. What's up? Hanging out. Doing a thing. Chilling. Uh, still to come in hour two, we get a stamps report with Patrick Dumas. Check in on the Calgary Stampeders as they get set to head to Toronto to take on the Argos on Friday night. Also, a WPCA report. Checking in on the Chucks. Segment two of this hour. Chatting with Jason Glass. Looking forward to that as well. But uh, kicking off this segment, Pat, we're getting to that point of the offseason. PTO starting to get signed around the league, around the NHL. We already knew this was a thinner-than-usual free agent crop when it came to the NHL. We've seen a few names popping in here and there. Martin Jones signed with the Leafs to give them some depth. Alex Chason, one-time Calgary Flame. He signed a PTO with the Boston Bruins this week. But the big names remaining out there are interesting in a sense because they're only really big names for those teams. And the reason I say that is because they are the RFAs that remain unsigned at this point. Uh And as we know, the NHL and GMs around the league aren't keen on offer sheets. Not that there's much cap space to go around anyways, but there are still some interesting names that haven't come to contract terms yet. And we're a couple weeks out from training camp and from everybody returning to their home city or their, um, I should say their, you know, NHL, NHL city, city yeah. uh, for, for training camp to begin. And so I thought uh, our pal Luke Fox, uh, sportsnet.ca writer, went through some of the most interesting remaining RFAs and sort of where they stand right now. And I thought now would be a good time for us to go through it. Flames don't have anybody in this. We've, we've seen these the last couple of years with some of the younger players, you know, Johnny's contract extension, some of them I remember – uh, going back a few years with Sam Bennett, you know, those sort of things. Some of these RFA deals tend to leak into later in the offseason. The Flames don't have anybody in this, so uh, a look around the league and where everyone's going. Uh, no arbitration rights among this group. And like I mentioned, the unlikely inevitability of an offer sheet threatening out there. Um, some GMs still have some interesting moves to make. Top of the list for Luke Fox on this uh, article at sportsnet.ca, Pat, is Trevor Zegras. Mm-hmm. Now, what does he have on his side for bargaining? Well, he was a 2021 World Junior Gold Medalist. He's a top 10 pick. We know him as one of the most skilled players in the league. He's a two-time 20 goal and a 60-point man and is apparently playing the waiting game with Pat Verbeek uh, as the offseason rolls on. Pat Brisson told uh, uh, Pierre Lebrun of The Athletic that the two sides uh, we're fine ignoring negotiations in season. Troy Terry has put pen to paper. He signed a seven-year, $49 million deal. Training camp just around the corner in Anaheim. Um, 
a lot of guys have chosen for, you know, young stars, skip the bridge, go long-term. You've seen Jack Hughes, Nick Suzuki, Matt Boldy, Dylan Cousins, uh, all go down that road. But we don't really have a sample size much for Pat Verbeek and how he's going to handle this. They've got tons of cap space. The Ducks are $16 million under the cap ceiling, but clearly investing in the right guys long-term going to be important for this Anaheim rebuild. How do you feel about Trevor Zegras and the Anaheim Ducks right now? Well, I mean, he's clearly a uh, he's clearly a core member of that team, and he's clearly one of the most important players in that organization, and not just because of what he does on the ice, but that is, that's a very marketable player. That's a, an American face of the franchise type guy. They've actually got two big names that they've got to figure out, two kind of huge members of their core because Jamie Drysdale, who missed essentially all of last season with that injury, you know, you've got maybe your most important defenseman going forward and one of, if not your most important um important forwards and Drysdale is on this list yes he's a little, little further, further down, down but he has a bit of a an interesting well just because he missed all of last 10. season 10.2 right yeah and 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 just just because he he missed all of last year it's a little bit of a different story where whereas Zegris has got a pretty solid uh pretty solid resume that goes all the way back to or or, or that it's a whole lot more recent so yeah the if if I'm the Ducks it's it's not all that difficult a decision. Like I'm, I'm signing both guys long term if I can. There's no question that both Zegers and Drysdale are core members of that Anaheim team going forward. So the question is just what does that dollar figure look like? And I'm curious as to where Verbeek and his side are in the whole thing. But if I'm the Ducks, I'm, I'm going out of my way to sign both guys to long term deals because you know the the Ducks are not knocking on the door to being a high-end team they're not knocking on the door to being back where they want to be but I do think they're moving in the right direction and 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 I think they've started to put some nice things in place they've been able to start to build a very discernible core so you know if you're able to get Zegris signed to an eight-year extension right now and you're able to get him I, I don't know even what the market value would be for a guy like him because the projection on Zegris is fascinating. Some yeah. don't see him being more than a 60-70 point guy. Some, just with his raw skill, see him being able to get into that 80-90 point range. I, I I still need to see a little bit more in terms of the all-round game for Zegris. I think he is incredibly talented, extremely exciting, and, and a lot of fun to watch. I just don't know if I'm willing to be shelling out 80 to 90 point dollars for a guy that I'm not sure gets there. But if you're Zegers's camp, that's what you're, that's what you're pushing for. You show, you show, Hey, here's what he's done as a young player. Sky's the limit. So even still, I'm probably, I'm probably willing if I'm the ducks to sign a big money deal for both Zegers and Drysdale here. The Zegers one is by far the most interesting to me, given how, up and down his own draft class and comparables have been, uh, especially given the, the money that some of them have seen. Like Cole Caulfield, Pat, his, his high NHL points is 43. He was a 2020 guy in 21-22 in 67 games with the Habs. He put up 36 points in 46 games last year. Now he, was, he did score 26 goals during that time, but only played 46 games. Well, he got a contract extension worth $7.85 million, right? And he hasn't come anywhere close to the numbers that Zegers has the last two years. But then you have guys like Jack Hughes, who did take that monumental leap 
in points and hit 99 points this last season and obviously earned that kind of uh, of deal. Dylan Cousins, just mentioned him. He got a massive contract extension worth around $7.1 million per season from the Buffalo Sabres. What was his career high this year? 68 points. That's the first time he's hit that. As we mentioned, Zegris is a two-time 60-point guy. Brisson and and the Zegris camp are probably looking in the $9 million range for for a contract here. Yeah, see, it's got to be somewhere between, in my mind, Hughes comes in at at 8, but signed a season before, right? And Cousins and Caulfield are in the $7-plus million range. The fact that Hughes is at 8... Really hurt Zegers looking 100%. for a hundred percent because they're going to go and say, Okay, well, you're not going to outscore him, we're not going to pay you more than him. But you've also significantly outscored these other two guys, and they're at seven plus. It feels like seven and a half is, is kind of where this thing lands. But I mean, if you're the Zegers camp and you obviously believe that your ceiling's higher than being this 60 point guy, and when did Hughes sign? He signed after. 20, like in the 21-22 season, if I remember correctly. Uh, His November 30th, was, 2021. Okay, so, so it was, beginning it was of the early season, in that season. 2021. And so to that point, he had signed. He had, had that was a, a big risk at that time. because he had 31 he points in 56 games was his career yeah. high at the time. So Zegris has a little bit more of a track record, which the Brisson camp uh, and the Zegris camp will, will argue. While he's already been a 60-point guy twice, Probably going to end up being in the $8 million range, which I'd be okay with. Um, even even if Zegris ends up being a 65, 70-point guy, you have him eight times eight, sign him to the identical deal that Hughes is on, and there's no doubting who the better player is. Jack Hughes is a superstar. Trevor Zegris is an incredibly exciting player, but I don't know if he's an NHL superstar or even will be an NHL superstar. But I'd still go eight by eight for him, and you know I'd probably try to use as much leverage as I could on Drysdale, but you know, probably looking at the eight times seven range by for him just because of how important he's going to be. If you can lock these guys up, Zegris is 22, Drysdale is what, 21? If you can lock these uh, guys up for the most important parts of their 20s, yeah, Drysdale turns uh, 22 in April of next year, so he's 21 right now. Get them signed, and if you've got to go a little bit higher than you want to go or a little bit higher than maybe you would ballpark it, I'd still be doing it if I'm the Ducks because that gives you the better part of a decade with a core locked up. And when your team is ready, there's a pretty good chance that both Drysdale, Zegris, and even Troy Terry, who they already signed, are on deals that look pretty good relative to the salary cap because it's only going to go up. So, yeah, that would be that would be an urgent thing I'd be looking to do if I'm if I'm Pat Verbeek. Yeah, Anaheim has nobody defensively signed up to the long term. Um, Radko Gudis, who signed a three-year deal yeesh, this offseason, um, and Cam Fowler, both on the books for the next three years. Everybody else expires next year. So getting Drysdale might even be a bigger priority than, than Zegris at this point, just knowing how thin you are defensively signed up long-term. Not that, that I'm, I'm you know, throwing away anything on Trevor Zegris. I still think he's important. But before we move on from him, is he... Closer to to Jack, I don't think he's ever going to outscore Jack Hughes. But where are you on? Is he closer to the sixty point guy, or is he closer to an eighty 
85 point guy on your mind? Because I think he's pretty close to what he is right now. I think he's got a little bit more, but I, I, I don't know if I see him being a perennial point per game guy. Now, still, if you're, I, I, if you're, if you're floating around 70 points a year, you're still probably in that $8 million range based on NHL economics right now. So I'm with you. I, I don't know if I see him being a, a perennial uh, point per game guy in that 80 to 90 point range, but even still, I'd still be willing to sign him to an eight by eight. He's still the face of your franchise. He's still the most marketable player you've got on your team. He's 22 years old. And in four years time with where the cap is, a guy that gets you 70 points a year is going to be worth more than $8 million. So you'll be looking at a pretty decent deal, I think. So if that's what it takes, if, if it's somewhere in the Jack Hughes range, even though I don't think anybody here is suggesting that Zegris is going to be a better or superior player to Hughes, fact of the matter is Hughes signed his deal two years ago almost and things have evolved since then find the ducks that's the price of doing business and you know you again that gives you a really nice window to get your team back into the competitive range it wants to be in moving on a little bit closer to us here in calgary number two on luke's list at sportsnet.ca of uh, rfa top remaining rfa's uh, in the NHL as we head into August here, or late August here. Uh, Evan Bouchard in the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. Going for uh, Evan Bouchard. He's a top 10 pick. Puck moving, right shot. Now with back-to-back 40-point seasons. Was a huge contributor the last two years for the Edmonton Oilers in their playoff runs. He was quarterbacking. 17 points in 12 playoff Quarterbacking their number one power play unit. Uh, obviously... Um, you know, the points have been there. He's a 23 year old defenseman. He can log top four minutes, uh, opened up a spot for him as Tyson Berry got moved to the trade deadline. Uh, Matthias Eckholm's come in, giving him some pressure off in the D zone. Going back to June, Pat, Ken Holland saying, uh, it's going to be a bridge. They know it. We know it. Uh, Dave Gagne is Bouchard's agent. He's been waiting this one out and is trying to find the right short term deal for Evan Bouchard. This is a really interesting one for the Oilers because as Ken Holland said, you're going to have to bridge him. They simply don't have the money right now. And especially given the Matthias Ekholm uh, contract that sees $6 million on the books now extra the next two years, you you don't have the money to pay him anymore. You've got $3.5 million in cap space per cap friendly today. But what does that look like if that's the the number? Is it simply a, a one or two year bridge at three point five million dollars? Um, is it going to cost the Oilers more? Can they get him to more term? Given how little cap space they have today to put pen to paper on, because uh, they clearly uh, have liked what Evan Bouchard's put up. You wow. mentioned the playoff numbers there; he's been great for them. If if I'm the Oilers, I'm trying to get it at three years because three years is what Connor's got left. Um, Leon's got two years left. Hyman has way more than that. Uh, but Kane's got three years left. You've got Eckholm with three years left. I'm trying to go three years on, on Evan Bouchard. And if that ends up like, if it's, they've got about three and a half million dollars, if it's three times three and a half, then that's, that, that seems pretty fair to me. Now I haven't divin don't dove in. I haven't dove Dovin. deep, divin deep. I haven't dove deep or I have not done a deep dive on, you know, all the comparables and, and some of the underlyings and stuff like that on Bouchard, but he's clearly an everyday top four part of that defense. He's their number one power play guy. I don't even know if three times three and a half gets it done, 
but if you've what whatever you can do to go three seems to make a lot of sense because that's kind of this Oilers current window to get things done. And then everything changes. Everything changes in two years when Drysaddle's new deal comes up, but everything really changes when Connor McDavid resets the bar in three years. I mean, he's now the second highest paid player in the NHL, but like what's he gonna get in three years when the cap goes up? Are we talking twenty? And I'm not even kidding. Like, no, are we talking? I'm, are we talking twenty? Are we talking eighteen? Because um, he's going to be able to to write his own ticket. Well, he's going to want to top whatever Matthews got, and, and, and Matthews the, will be in the, the fourteen, fifteen range. Yep. Like it's it's only going to go up from here, especially with the cap finally taking jumps. And you know, even Connor helping the Oilers out a little bit, which I actually think he will do. It's still going to be in like the seventeen to twenty million dollar range, yeah. and, and I again, if it's lower, awesome. That's good for the Oilers. You can make the case, and I know many did make the case when Connor signed his current deal that he gave the Oilers a break, and he probably did at twelve and a half million dollars. So everything changes in the next two or three years, but it really changes in three years. And in three years, you're probably saying goodbye to Eckholm because that's when his deal is up. And you're probably, uh, you're probably parting ways from him there. You know, we'll see what Evander Kane's all about in three years, but you've got an opportunity where money will be falling off the cap. So you can reset on Bouchard and maybe start to think about signing him to a longer term deal as well. You'll have a little bit more of an idea as to what your cap's going to look like. Cause what's dry saddle going to be dry saddle is going to be in the, 12 to 13, if not more range himself. So you know, they've got, they've got some serious decisions to make in two and three years. But for now, if I'm the Oilers, I'm trying to maximize that three-year window. And thus I'm looking at a, if I'm them, I'm looking at a three-year deal, three-year bridge for Bouchard. The comparables the are very tough for Ken Holland here because the other defensemen that fill in as top 10 picks in the 2018 draft class, mm-hmm. don't do him any favors comparably. Rasmus Dahlin, Took a bridge deal with the Buffalo Sabres at $6 million per season. He had two 40-point seasons under his belt when he took that. His next deal and three and a half might not get it is going to be massive for Rasmus Dahlin. Ahead of uh, Evan Bouchard in that draft, Pat, Quinn Hughes with the Vancouver Canucks. He did not bridge. He took a six-year deal in 2021 that sees him paid $7.85 million. And the only other top 10 defenseman in here that we can talk about is Adam Boquist. Now with the Columbus Blue Jackets, he signed a three-year deal. He was ARB eligible in 2022 when he signed this deal uh, with the Armel Kekalainen and, and the Blue Jackets. Even his deal, Pat, bridging it three years, came in at $2.6 million. He was coming off a 22-point season in 52 games. So what's a what's a realistic number on a bridge for Bouchard? They've got three and a half in cap space. I don't know if three and a half gets it done. I see. I don't either. That's the problem is if I'm Bouchard's camp, and look, obviously I know you want to play and I know you want to win while Connor's there, that kind of stuff. But I mean, if I'm being honest today, I think three and a half is is low for a bridge deal on, on Bouchard. I would honestly probably be asking in the five fives, five and a half. Like if you told me 15... The sixteen and a half million over three years, and the Oilers can't do that as of as of today. Yeah, they can't come anywhere. They'd have to move out a significant piece of money. Well, too. and they already they remember the the Costin Yamamoto move was made mainly because they had to figure out what they were going to do and and how they were going to keep Bouchard. Can, can you move out Cody Cece? 
as a right know. hand shot. I mean, potentially, that's really the only money that's I think significant enough to maybe get you there. I mean, maybe if you get the dollars right, I mean, you won't get anything back for him. But Warren Fogel, can you take an NHL body off of your your forward group to fit him in? Because he's been good enough to talk about that. But I just I get where you're coming back. I just don't know how if if he does, I think he's taking a nice discount for the the Oilers. I just I can't see yeah. them. No, I, I if they get three years I'm out of three you. and a half. That's good work by Ken Holland. Um. It might have to be. It might have to be one of those guys on their blue line right now. Um, it might have to be whether it's a a Kulak or a CC. Remember, they've got Broberg a left shot in the American League, and and they've been talking for a long time about how bringing Broberg into the conversation mm-hmm. could really help things. Now Kulak is a left shot. If you're able to move that contract out, and again, I have not been paying attention to what the conversations in Edmonton have been. So we might be missing a very obvious way they can do this. Um, but if if they look at bringing Broberg in, you move Kulak's money out, that could probably get you there for getting Bouchard in. And so right now, I think you're more comfortable with Kulak on that blue line than you are Broberg. But you got to make sacrifices if you're going to want to keep all your important players. And Bouchard is more important than Kulak. And is is far more a piece of that core going forward. So tougher to move CC only because he's a right shot. He's got two years. Kulak's yeah, got three. Oh yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but I don't know if either one of them's easy to move. I mean, Kulak at two point seven five. Kulak's an NHL defenseman. Like sure. there's there's and and so you could I think you could find a place for him. I don't know if you're gonna get great value, but and I, I think he's actually a very solid, serviceable kind of middle six defenseman, kind of in that three to five range. I think he can play. He's probably best suited as a strong third pair guy, but if he needs to, can move on to a second pair. I think there would be teams interested, and that would probably get you there to what you need to pay because all of a sudden that gets you into the almost $6 million range in terms of what you've got open. If you're in the $5 million range for Bouchard, that probably gets you done. Uh, that's the top two names on the RFA list uh, from Luke Fox at Sportsnet.ca. Still some interesting names on the RFA list out there. You want to go check out the list, head to Sportsnet.ca. Uh, names like Alexi Lafreniere still unsigned. Morgan Frost. Shane Pinto needs a new deal. Uh, we talked about Jamie Drysdale in Ottawa. What does that contract look like? Uh, plenty of work still to be done for some GMs uh, as we get into the late uh, stages of August here. A couple texts, 960 Nine six zero. Pat or pal Matt and Cochran texts in. So Zegers was the NHL twenty two or NHL twenty three cover guy, uh, cover athlete. It's got to be worth something. Feel like Zegers is a lot of hype. Ducks could hurt themselves with an overpay. Uh, this one says, of course, uh, the biggest question is where is McJesus going? Uh, might still be in Edmonton. I think he's he's going to remain in Edmonton as much as everybody likes to make those jokes. Uh, and this text says, Bouchard's only played two full seasons, much different than Rasmus or the other D that you mentioned. Games played in the NHL is an important measurement in these bridge deals. And that's for sure uh, a big thing. I, I would say that the, the rasmus Dahlin comparable that I brought up is when he signed his deal, he was only two seasons in. And Bouchard's and got bridge, two so. full seasons and five rounds of the playoffs under his belt. He's And he's missed one game. Yeah, so he's got some... Played every playoff game. And he's missed one regular season game. He's got a significant. He's got enough to have a bridge deal and a and a big money bridge deal, especially because he's their 
That power play was quarterbacked by Evan Bouchard last year. 184 NHL games for him and 28 playoff games. So over 200 uh, in the league right now, playoffs and regular season combined for a guy like Evan Bouchard. So we'll keep an eye on that for sure. Uh, this one says, outside of the obvious McDavid, assuming Oilers re-sign 29, don't they have to fill like 16 roster spots with likely 30 million already committed? That'll be one of the things that they deal with for sure, but we'll see what uh, exactly that turns out for. Um, Robert texts in says, it sounds like it's a $3.9 to $4 million deal on a two-year deal for Boosh. Bob Stoffer has this with Sarah Valley. Very doable for the Oilers. Um, and then some other useless information about the Flames that he was very upset about. So if that's what Frank's saying, then good for them. Um we're just going off of uh, Luke's article at, at sportsnet.ca for a talking point. Settle down, Robert. Very upset. Um, <laughs> Oilers fans. Why do 780 area codes? They just get, get so the, upset. Get, it's we didn't even say one not, bad thing. Not one. Just We only said good things about Evan Bouchard. And here it is. More you worry about your own guys. Like, what are you talking about? Talk about the we didn't say one bad thing. All. You have Evan Bouchard. You're going to sign him to a good contract. Congratulations. Um, he's Pat Steinberg. I'm Logan Gordon. Uh, this is Sportsnet Today. We're here in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. Moving into the back half of the hour next. A couple of reports coming your way. We'll check in on the Chucks WPCA report time with Jason Glass coming up around the corner. Chuck season coming to an end. Just a few more races left uh, on the WPCA schedule. And we'll check in on the Stampeders with Patrick Dumas. That as Sportsnet Today rolls on. Here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour 2 Sportsnet today is live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. Lots of NHL RFA talk to kick off the hour. Hour 1, we previewed the Jays and the Orioles still to come. We got a stamps report with Patty Dumas getting set for the stamps and the Argos on Friday from Toronto. You can get all of that. On our podcast, they come out every few hours after the hour finishes up. It's up on the like podcast. 15 form. minutes. Tops. <laughs> Depends on how fast you are. If you're on the ball cam. Right now, I'm pretty slow these days. Yeah. Places, so. Podcast uh, will be up sooner or later. Google, Amazon, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast. Uh, like I mentioned, Stamps Report still to come this hour. We'll chat uh, some Stampeders football. But right now, just a couple weeks left in the WPCA schedule. It is time for the WPCA Report. It's time for the World Professional Truck Wagon Association Report. Hear the latest updates from the world of the WPCA and exclusive interviews with the biggest drivers in the sport. WPCA Report brought to you by our good friends. World Professional Chuck Wagon Association. Racing to the Century Downs Racetrack and Casino World Finals, August 23rd to 27th. You can get your tickets now at showpass.com. It's right around the corner. Really looking forward to getting down to Century Downs for the World Finals. And joining us today on the WPCA Report, very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline and welcome in Jason Glass this afternoon. Jason, thanks for the time, sir. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Appreciate the time this afternoon, sir. I know you guys just finished up a couple of days ago at Rocky Mountain House. How did your uh, How did your rig feel? How did you feel about the weekend in Rocky Mountain? 
Uh, it was a good weekend. Uh, my horses are running hard and fast, and we're having lots of fun. Uh, third in the world standings as we head into the last couple of days here of the season. How's the uh, season been as a whole for yourself, Jason? Uh, it's been a great year. You know, I got a lot of new horses I got in the mix, and uh, we're just kind of been sorting it out from day to day, a bunch of young ones. And, um, you know, we've been we've been very consistent. And uh, now that we're nearing the end of uh, the trail, um, these horses seem to be starting to gel and then working better actually every night so i'm very happy with the season so far that's great to hear i know uh, as we've done these reports on sports that the last couple of weeks and chatting with the drivers that seems to be the season-long battle for most of the drivers is figuring out that best mix of horses that's going to get you down the stretch as fast as you can yeah no exactly everyone's in the same boat you know every year we uh we mix in some of the new younger ones with the older veterans and uh you know we're always trying to to go faster and uh with saying that you know i i like to be consistent and stay away from penalties and and mm. you know have horses uh you know between them and and me uh you know kind of uh, be in sync and and just have uh consistent races so we're we're getting there how much of that uh, comes from uh, a very long family history in the sport, Jason, how much does is you, you know your dad or your granddad go over? You know, working the the rig work with the different horses. How much of that comes from you know just your own personal uh, experience with it, and how much comes from the the family history that you guys have? You know, it, it all comes from uh, the fam- family history. Uh, my great grandfather in 1923, then my grandpa, my grandpa Ronnie, and my dad Tom. You know, and anytime you're around horses, especially these thoroughbreds, you you can't stop learning, and you got to be willing to learn every day. And so, you know, I've uh, I've been very fortunate to to be able to grow up with it, and uh, you know, I think learn the the proper way to take care of uh, these uh, horses, and you know, you know, they they're everything to us. Uh, you know, we take care of them year-round, not just when we hit the racetrack. So, you know, they get absolutely everything they need from their teeth to their feet to nutrition to chiropractic, massage, you know, absolutely everything. They get it. So, um, you know, the most important thing to me is, is taking care of these horses properly. What's the second half of the season like for a driver? I know that there's such a ramp-up to Stampede. There's so much excitement around that event, and then you've got a a little bit of a slower pace, but now you're trying to ramp it back up as the world finals come back around here. What's the second half of the season like as you try to manage everybody and try to keep everybody at their best for the race time? Well, it's, it's, it's tough. You know, there's, there's so many highs and lows throughout the summer and, you know, we, we make quite a few miles to different towns up and down Alberta. So you you really got to try to manage, um, the horse's health and you know just even the workers and your family and and all the equipment equipment and trucks and stuff so i mean it's there's just a lot so from the start of the season uh, you know you want to um you want to start strong and and you you got to peak at certain times in the year too you know you mentioned the Calgary Stampede which is very important to us and you, you try to run fast there and and you, you try to keep up that pace throughout the summer um you know if you want to be in the in the top four kind of thing you you can't really slack off there's just so mm-hmm. many beautiful 
horses and great wagon drivers that, uh, you know, you, you really got to do your homework and then be willing to get up at five in the morning and, and not go to sleep till one. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like the, uh, the classic, uh, up early and, uh, out down before everybody else once you get in the house as well. But, uh, Jason, talk to me about, uh, the century downs, uh, world finals coming up here. Uh, from everything that we've talked about, this is uh, as big as it gets for you guys. One of the best facilities uh, to race at, and I imagine the excitement level's got to be high for you and your crew. Yeah, it's fantastic. We just pulled in here from Rocky Mountain House this morning, and we're getting set up in the barns, and, and they're very nice. Uh, it's a very professional uh, facility, so we're getting organized and set up, and you know they got quite a bit of money up here to, to try to win, and um this is uh, the finals, so you know the top twelve coming into uh, this show. We're in a separate playoff pool, and after four nights, the top four out of the top twelve will run in the last heat uh, to, to win it all. So there's a lot of excitement, and um, you know a lot of nice horses that are that are ready to get out there and, and show their stuff. Uh, before we let you go, uh, I know it takes uh, more than. Just a couple people to get you guys up and down the road. You mentioned just coming in, all the miles you guys make uh, during a season. Who are the the key people for for Jason Glass? Who are the sponsors and uh, the people that help you guys get up and down the road during the season? Well, my family, um, my wife Brian, and my my two kids, Bodie and Steele. <laughs> and then I got uh, two or three workers. You know that they would work very hard every day as well. And um, you know, lots of friends and family come and go and help here and there. And my main sponsor, my only sponsor, is Birchcliff Energy. They've been with our family uh, with different companies for 30, 40 years. Um, wow. You know, they're they're amazing, and without them, I couldn't do it. So, yeah, Birchcliff Energy uh, is the best. That's great to hear. Uh, Jason, congratulations uh, on a great season up till now. Uh, best of luck as we head into Century Downs and uh, hopefully come out of there with some money to finish off the season, pal. Yeah, thanks for having me on, and I hope everybody comes out and watches. Absolutely. Jason, thanks for the time. Take care now. Anytime. Thank you. Bye now. Jason Glass joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Yes, head out to Century Downs Racetrack and Casino. The World Finals start tomorrow. It's August 23rd to 27th. Get your tickets now at showpass.com. The WPCA Insider Report brought to you by the World Professional Chuck Wagon Association. It is the final chance for you to see these outstanding uh, chuck wagon races before the season's out. You just mentioned uh, they just finished up uh, another great uh, set of races up at Rocky Mountain House for the Battle of the Rockies and now back into Calgary at Century Downs. Check out WPCA.com. You've got the world standings. You've got driver profiles. You can check out race results from going back all the way into the season when we started things off in Grand Prairie back in early May and uh, into June. So go check that out. But most importantly, showpass.com find a chance to go out if you missed out on the calgary stampede you didn't get to one of the great events on the wpca schedule this year this is your final chance we've given away tickets for backstage uh behind the scenes experiences the last couple of weeks so that's coming up uh for our lucky winners it's been a fun season with the wpca it's only going to get better uh, as we wrap things up with some of the best drivers in the world once again coming to calgary this time they're at the Century Downs World Chuck Wagon Finals. Again, showpass.com is where you want to go for information and tickets August 23rd to the 27th. Thanks again to Jason Glass for joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. For the WPCA Report, 
to the Stamps report. The Calgary Stampeders back at practice. They're getting set for the Toronto Argonauts on Friday. With your latest on the Stamps, here's Patrick Dumas. This this is the Stamps Report with Patrick Dumas. Stampeders held a closed-door practice on Tuesday as they continue preparations for their Week 12 opponent, the Toronto Argonauts, this Friday out at BMO Field. Calgary, of course, picked up the win in Week 9 when the Argos came through McMahon Stadium. And in that game, Calgary held the Argos offense to just 202 yards and only 10 first downs, though quarterback Chad Kelly left that game late in the second quarter. So quarterback Cameron Dukes came in, and the Stamps really made it look like a guy getting his first taste of CFL action. Also in that game, it happened to be the last time the Stampeders scored an offensive touchdown. It was Tommy Stevens on a goal line plunge early in that contest. But since then, the Stamps have dropped two in a row, uh, one really ugly one in BC and a close frustrating one to the Bombers. And that offense has been the catalyst in both those contests. Coach and GM Dave Dickinson said this back on Monday, and it's all about trying to improve in the midst of this losing streak. We know where we're at, but it doesn't mean uh, we, we're not here just to try to make playoffs anyway. We want to win it. And so the only way I know how to do that is try to find a way to get better each and every day. Um, yes, you got to win games and get into the tournament. Basically, that's what I think. But it's more about uh, playing better, uh, doing things the right way, and playmakers making plays. Um, you know, we're just kind of just off. And we have to find that formula to get back. It has been a storyline, at least from an offensive side of things. As you can feel, things have been a little off. And trying to get it right in the second half will be key for the Stamps if they do want to play into November. And in the midst of this tough play, you do want to see, you do want to stress keeping the faith. And Coach Dave goes into that, tells us that the group is still working hard. I'm not sensing anything more than our guys have continued to work, continue to want it, and uh, they haven't lost faith. So... You know, but that doesn't mean anything. He got to produce, and yeah, it's been a, a tough little stretch. We played some good football teams, but I, I truly believe everybody in the CFL can beat somebody else if, if you're not in the right mindset and you're not doing what you're supposed to do. So uh, for us, though, once again, find the formula that works for our team, buy into it, keep working, have energy, um, try to make the plays when they're, they're, they're there to be made. Trying to keep that confidence going during these tough stretches is hard to do, and staying together as a unit is key in any time of strife, and that's what wide receiver Mark and Michelle explains next, who, in a quiet game from the offense, had one of the more spectacular plays, a 45-yard catch, getting the Stamps deep into Winnipeg territory. Markin spoke with Stamps TV following practice, and he talked about staying together. Honestly, it's just staying together, and sometimes um, I feel like self-encouragement and encouragement from the guys in our room definitely helps build our confidence so one thing like I said like I keep harping on is having fun if you have fun I feel like the confidence will naturally come um, and all it takes is one play not just maybe from yourself but from somebody else to know that okay this room is going to make it happen today that, that gives us the confidence to go out there and play fast. Michelle was the leading receiver last week, catching three passes for 63 yards, and he will be a very key part of this offense on Friday. And on Friday, the Stamps have to be prepared for any type of game. Coach Dickinson on what the expectations are for the Argos. Well, our mindset is to go in and uh, just whatever that next play is, win it. Um, doesn't matter, special teams, defense, offense. We don't know what the game's going to be. It could be a high-scoring game for all we know. You know, uh, special teams is always a spark. Um, and it's been one of our strengths. Uh, defense had a great game last game. Get new challenges offensively. We're excited to play. Uh, excited to get another opportunity and try not to listen to anything more than internally. What are we talking about? What are we trying to do? 
and focus in on the next play and win it. And with that, we'll take a look at the injury report. Jonathan Moxie, who missed the Week 11 contest against Winnipeg, was a full participant to start the week and looks good to move back into his boundary corner spot. A couple names that did pop up on the injury list on Monday and some key names at that, Kadeem Carey, Tommy Lee Lewis, and Bryce Bell, all have not practiced to start the week. Here's Coach Dickinson on their statuses going forward, starting with Carey, then Lewis, and then ending with left tackle Bryce Bell. Came in with a bit of a quad, um, so you know we're hopeful that he can play. Um, but it's he's working hard, but he is certainly uh, things have popped up a little bit on him, sick, and he's sore with his quad. So um, hopefully he can play. Yeah, he's he's got a little bit of soreness in, in, in his upper body, and he's been awesome. So hopefully we get him in there, and uh, he's locked in though. He's been out here and uh, knows his stuff. And return game a lot of time, it's just what you see in hitting it. So. Um, be nice to have him out there, and uh, hopefully he is. He's fighting it. He's he's been though it's same injury he's had for a while now. Um, it's lower body, so it's just one of those things. Sometimes guys, when you played enough, you can handle it. He's not an old player, but sometimes you can handle it. But he is certainly. Uh, it's an injury that he's been playing with. Can he keep playing? Hopefully. Wednesday will be our final look at the group before they ship off to TDOT on Thursday. So tomorrow will be a big day for those three names. With your Stampeders report. By Patrick Dumas. Thank you, Patty. Appreciate that. Yes, Stamps and Argos from BMO Field in Toronto coming up on Friday night. Stamps injury report just released a few moments ago. Not great news when it comes to a couple of Stamps players. Uh, it was another did not practice for Kadeem Carey. He's dealing with a quad injury. He's been injured most of the season. That's not great. Another uh, piece of bad news for the Stampeders. Uh, second straight Missed practice for Tommy Lee Lewis, uh, who's been great for the Stampeders this season, especially uh, on the run game. Bryce Bell with another uh, back-to-back missed practice day. So there's three uh, pretty important guys there who missed practice for the second straight day. That's never uh, a good sign as it's a short week heading into Toronto on Friday. Good news, though, Pat Cole Tucker dealing with that foot injury practice for the second straight day. Same with Jonathan Moxie and Brad Muhammad. So... Uh, Tommy Lee Lewis doesn't sound uh, like he might be an option for Friday, but maybe they get Cole Tucker back and the DBs could get Jonathan Moxie and Brad Muhammad back. Mm-hmm. DBs have dealt with a lot of injuries this year as well. Yeah, and I mean, Stamps have dealt period with a lot of injuries this year. Not like not like they're alone, though. It's been that type of year in the CFL. Uh, this, uh, it's a big test. This is a, this is a real big test for them, and they... They go on the road to Toronto with – at this point, I don't think there will be a game that doesn't feel like a significant one for the Stampeders between now and the end of the season because I don't think they're going to fall so far out of it that the playoffs become out of reach, and I don't think Saskatchewan's going to run away with it, although credit to them with the way they played against BC on Sunday. It just feels like – West Division and crossover is going to be right there for the Stampeders to be in the conversation. Whether or not they're able to get it done or not, uh, that's a different story. But it just feels like that's going to be something that they are right in the mix for until the end of the season. They've got a difficult, outside of the two Edmonton games, they've got a difficult schedule. There's not a, there's not a game against a non-competitive team outside of those two Elks games. And Edmonton's been a little bit better of late. So, you know, I, uh, I see a lot of the... CFL.ca folks. I was the only one in our CFC, CFL.ca picks to choose Ottawa to beat Edmonton this week. Everybody else is starting to feel like the Elks maybe are turning things around. So 
It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a difficult end of the season for the Stampeders. You also went against one of your classic picks and did not uh, turn out to be the only one to pick the Stampeders against the Argos. I, I chose the. I think everybody chose the Argos. They did. Yeah. That's what I mean. Is you're usually the the one outlier remaining in the CFL.ca picks, but not this week against the Argos, eh? Argos have already lost once to the Stamps. Chad Kelly looked great again uh, in his return after missing a few weeks. I'm miss, missing half a game, I guess. And I don't know. I uh, the Argos are. It's tough to pick against. It's tough to pick against those three teams, like. Winnipeg, BC, Toronto, I'm almost always picking on their side because they're just at a different level compared to the rest of the well, league. It's just, it's just the biggest thing for me is I like how good the Stampeders' defense has been, but unless they keep a team right now under 20 points, it doesn't feel like the offense is going to be able to match that. And Chad Kelly's been so good throwing for 400 yards most nights. They've got this dangerous running back duo. Even if the Stamps' defense lets in say 25 points, still a pretty good night, but the offense just hasn't been able to get there yep. more often than not. It's it's hard to to see them keeping up in any sort of shootout scenario as I think back to the Ottawa game in Calgary when it actually was a back-and-forth offensive shootout. Yep. It feels like that was uh, months ago for this uh, Stampeders offense, but we'll yep. see. Uh, we kicks off on Thursday with the, Argo, excuse me, with the Montreal Alouettes into Winnipeg to take on the Blue Bombers. Sounds like uh, Zach Kalaros. Nearing a return for Winnipeg, who are eight and two on the season, Montreal at six and three. Wrapping up hour two of Sportsnet today. Thank you for listening, whether live or on the podcast of Sportsnet today. Uh, thank you to Cam and Taylor, outstanding producers, on this Tuesday afternoon. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow for another edition of Sportsnet today, right here on Sportsnet nine sixty, the fan.